0: My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this morning as our Advent wreath was being lit, you noticed that this pink candle was lit. Sometimes this pink candle is referred to as the joy candle. And the joy candle is lit on the Sunday where all of our lessons focus on rejoicing. Sort of like Paul urged us today, rejoice always. And yet, even though we find ourselves on a Sunday that focuses on joy, even though we find ourselves in the midst of a Sunday where we are urged to rejoice, there are so many things in our lives that can take that joy that we experience today or the rejoicing that we do today and cause that joy to disappear or at least be subdued or at least be a little less than it could be. After all, we find ourselves in the time of year where, where we're almost to the day that, that, that bears, the, uh, bears the, the infamy of being the day with the least amount of sunlight in the year. And, and as we get closer and closer to that night, the darkness starts to press in. You leave in the dark. You come home in the dark. And as that darkness presses in, it can also seem like the loneliness presses in. And the, the, the sense of being trapped in your house presses in, and, and you experience that, and you live with that, and, and that kind of has a way of deflating any joy that you might have. Where you can look at the season that we're in, and, and it's a busy season, and, and we're doing things, and we have plans. And, and sometimes the busyness of the season can make it difficult to actually sit down and actually have a conversation with someone and, and find out how things are going and, and what their concerns are and what those joys are. And, and because of the busyness, the joy starts to disappear from our lives. Or there's illness going around. It's that time of year that illness goes around and maybe that illness has, has sunk into your household and is, is working its way from one person to the next person in your household. And that takes the joy away. Plans can fluctuate. Plans can shift. Plans can change. Plans can be canceled. And as all of that happens... The joy that we have today, the joy that we are urged to have, that joy can so quickly disappear. And Yet Isaiah comes today in the midst of any sorrow we might have, in the midst of any illness we might have, in the midst of any loneliness that we might have, and he comes into the picture today bursting into song. The first couple verses that we hear are, a, are referred to as one of the songs of Isaiah. It's a song that's designed to, to fill us with joy. But he sings a song not just to fill us with joy and to make us happy. He gives us a song that, that, first of all, gives us the reason behind the joy that we have, the source of our joy. But then as he sings his song, he also takes a moment And gives us a song of joy that we can sing as we return back to that joy that he gives us. As Isaiah begins his song, he sings of this person known as the servant of the Lord. It's it's a name that's reserved for Jesus. And, And as Isaiah sings this song, he is singing as though he is that servant of the Lord. He's speaking as though he is Jesus. And the Lord has sent Jesus with a purpose and with a mission Jesus is to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. Well, if you pause for a moment and look at each one of those situations that the servant of the Lord has come to address none of those are joy-filled moments none of those are things we would sit there and say yes that's what brings me joy that's what i'm excited about or or to put it another way i doubt that any of you would raise your hand and say pastor i want to be the one who is poor pastor i want to be the one who is brokenhearted pastor i want to be the one who is mourning and yet Each one of us can probably pause and think of one time over the past year that we have found ourselves experiencing one of those joy-sucking moments in our lives. Because as he talks about the poor, the poor are not just those who are in a financial distress, but the poor are those who are in some sort of distress because they are lacking something, whatever it may be. And the brokenhearted are not just those who have fallen in love and then discovered or had their heart broken because the other person doesn't love them the same. The brokenhearted are all those who suffer from a broken heart for whatever the reason might be. It might be the sins that they've committed and the guilt that they've carried. It might be a broken heart because they've experienced and lived through the effects of other people's sins in their own lives. It it might be a broken heart because they've looked around the world and they've seen the way that the wickedness of the world seems to press in and affect the people that they love. And sometimes, sometimes that mourning is found as as we struggle with that darkness, as, as we struggle with that loneliness. It's mourning as as we see the injustice in the world around us. Just as much as mourning can be that ache that we have for someone that we've lost over the course of the year. You see that mourning can can, can come from any kind of loss, any kind of sorrow that we experience. It, It could be a loss of friendships. It could be a loss of the innocence that we had before. It could be a loss of any number of other things. And as we look at all of these things that are described, we can trace the root back to all of them, back to sin. And in the way the sin has corrupted this world, and the way that sin has corrupted our own lives, And because of that corruption, the way sin affects us, whether we are the ones who are doing the sin or whether the sin is being committed against us. And yet, the servant of the Lord comes to proclaim God's favor. He sings of a freedom that he brings, a freedom that that removes and unbinds everything that has been tying you down whether, whether that thing that t- has been tying you down is a heavy heart that's filled with guilt or a heart that's broken because it's been crushed by sorrow he proclaims a comfort that comes to you in the midst of your your mourning and your sadness He serves as a light that pierces into that darkness that seems to be pressing you down. And he does this as God anoints him by his Holy Spirit. And so Jesus comes to us as true man. He comes as a descendant of David. He comes as someone who sits on David's throne. And just as David was anointed to his crown, so Jesus is anointed by the Holy Spirit to take his place on David's throne. And Jesus comes as the living Son of God. So, so not only does he come as someone who announces to you the reason for your joy, and announces to you the favor of God, as the Son of the living God, he comes as a person who has the authority and the power to do for you exactly what he's promised you. And so Jesus releases you from the darkness because he is greater than the darkness that presses in around you. And Jesus binds up your broken heart because he is greater than whatever it is that broke your heart. And Jesus comforts you in the midst of your mourning because he is greater than even death itself. And not only that, but Jesus announces to you that you now find yourself in a year of the Lord's favor. Now, I don't know what kind of year you've had. I don't know the ups and the downs that you've experienced. I don't know if you have any canceled plans or if you've had any unexpected twists throughout the year. I'm not sure what events have taken that that joy that you have and slowly sucked it away. I'm not sure of the, the downturns and the misfortunes that you've experienced. But I do know that we can probably look through the year, each one of us, and we can see little things throughout the year. Maybe they're big things throughout the year and and we can sit there and say, but this has taken my joy away and this has made it a little harder to make it through this week. And maybe this makes it seem like this favor that God has, this, this favor doesn't seem to be resting on me so well this year. And yet Isaiah declares to you without reservation, that you stand in God's favor. Your Savior King comes and He bestows on you a crown of beauty instead of ashes, an oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Because the joy that you have is not based on the events that are surrounding you right now. THE JOY THAT YOU EXPERIENCE IS NOT BASED ON on HOW YOU THINK EVERYTHING IS GOING. YOUR JOY COMES BECAUSE OF WHAT YOUR SAVIOR GIVES TO YOU. HE CROWNS YOU WITH HIS SPLENDOR. HE ANOINTS YOU WITH HIS SPIRIT. HE CLOTHES YOU WITH HIS HOLINESS. HE COMFORTS YOU WITH HIS PRESENCE. He fills you with the peace of His forgiveness. You see, Jesus' entire song is filled with the things that He is doing for you, the things that He is giving you, the things that He is making you. And He is able to do each and every one of those things because He is God's Son and He is your Savior. That is what God does for you. That is why you find yourself in a year of God's favor. That's why Isaiah starts by singing the song of joy to you. And yet, as we pause today and, and light the pink candle, remember the joy that he gives us, we also discover how that joy flows into our words and into our actions. We sing a response to the song of the servant. What's even better is we don't we don't have to become a poet and figure out what the words are to that song isaiah tells us what our song sounds like he says and, and this is your song that he's saying i delight greatly in the lord my soul rejoices in my god for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels Our song flows out of what our God has made us. We are recipients of His grace and mercy in Jesus. Our Savior has dressed us in His holiness so that we are holy. He washes us by His blood so that we are clean. We stand as children of God, prepared and ready for the coming of Jesus. And because we know that we already stand before God. And we know that we've already been prepared for Jesus. We have a heart that's ready to receive him and a song of joy that rests on our lips. Now, in a wedding, or many weddings, there is a tradition in that wedding of the bride and the groom not seeing each other before the wedding ceremony begins. And so many of the weddings that I've conducted, just before the wedding starts, I find myself getting ready for the ceremony and the groom is in the the sacristy with me. Or or to put it another way, there's this room back here and, and in that room I'm getting ready and in that room is the groom. And, As as we wait, the groom can hear all of the guests and that buzz that comes before a service as the guests visit with each other. The groom can hear the music that is being played as he waits for his wedding to start. But he can't see any of it. All he can do is wait. All he can do is guess what is happening out there. And... Well, it's kind of fun because I'm on this side of getting married and the groom is still on that side of getting married. And, and so you can watch the groom and, and the groom starts to look nervous. And he's, sometimes he gets that look in his eyes, what am I about to do? And, and sometimes you can look at the, the, the groom and there's some anxiety there and there's some fear there and there's some trepidation there. Sometimes you can look at the groom and there is a nervous energy there. And yet, it doesn't matter what kind of fear you see or what kind of nervousness you see or what kind of anxiety you see in that groom, there is always a sense of joy. And there is always a sense of anticipation. And there is always a sense of eagerness, especially once that door opens and especially once he is able to come and see his bride walking down that aisle. As we light that pink candle and as we mark today as a day of joy we find ourselves in a place very similar to that groom who is waiting in that room because as we go through our life we can be surrounded by fears and we can be surrounded by anxiety we can struggle with the uncertainty that the future holds we can also find ourselves struggling with disappointment. And we can struggle with sorrow. And, and that can weigh down on us. But that doesn't mean that the joy that we have disappears. Or the source of our joy has failed us. Because the time is coming when the wait will be over. The time is coming when we will see ourselves dressed as our Savior has already dressed us, blameless and holy. The time is coming when the vestiges of darkness will be removed and we will see the light of our life. The time is coming when we will be seen as we are, holy and blameless and righteous. Because our Savior has adorned us with his holiness and made us blameless, and made us righteous. And our joy is found because nothing can stop that from happening. Amen.